Amen. Thank you, Ashlyn and Aubrey, for sharing your musical gifts with us this morning. Happy New Year, friends. 2023. Can you believe it? Here we are, 2023. With a new year comes reflection of the past year and hopes and dreams about the year to come. A new year brings new or old uh, resolutions that we're holding on to. And I got to tell you, um, I am really bad at New Year's resolutions, like really bad at them because I can't ever decide what I want to like pick up for 2023. And it's not that I don't want to like better myself and, uh, and grow and everything like that. It's just really hard for me to pick something. And then if I do, it's really hard for me to keep up with it even like through the end of January. Anybody else? Anyone else? Just me? Thank you, Scott. Appreciate you. Solidarity. Appreciate it. But no, seriously, it's, it's so tough sometimes because we are in this culture of being told you need to make yourself better, make yourself a new you for the new year, right? That hashtag new year, new me kind of thing. It's really hard to pick, on, pick something and then hold on to it for the entire year. But this morning, friends, I'm going to invite us into a space where we are choosing renewal rather than a resolution, Choosing renewal rather than a resolution. In the traditions of the United Methodist Church, uh, John Wesley, the founder of United Methodism, um, he has this covenant prayer. And it's often celebrated and prayed in churches all around the world um, on the first January of the new year. And it's a time for us to reflect, to renew our covenant with God and with one another. So we're going to spend some time doing that together this morning. We're going to look at what covenants even are. We're going to spend some time unpacking the different covenants we see throughout scripture. We're going to take a look at the Wesley covenant prayer and unpacking all of what that means for us today and how we can use it and help have it help us in the upcoming year. And so covenants, an agreement, right? A partnership, a promise. Oftentimes we hear of covenants um, as someone making a covenant with God, making this promise to one another, and we see all throughout scripture, we see covenants um, like God made with the Israelites, God made with King David, God made through the birth and life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We see these covenants. And I've got to tell you, some of these people, um, like myself with New Year's resolutions, aren't very good at covenants. They aren't very good at holding on to those. And so, for example, God makes a covenant with the Israelites. God brings the Israelites out of Egypt, um, taking them onto the promised land and kind of that in-between time, they're moaning and groaning, even though they are being provided for. They're not too happy about their situation, but God is providing for them. And then they get to the promised land and they are given these 10 commandments, right? And God says, here are these commandments, follow these and you will be blessed. You will become the people who are the people of God for all of humanity. You will share this good news with everyone, right? And then a little bit on down the road, we have King David. And King David is ruling over all of Israel. And God makes a covenant with him and says, listen, King David, here we are. And here's the thing. If you promise to rule Israel and, and help lead them to do what is right and just, then there will be a son of David who comes and makes a new covenant, who will come and bring blessings and love to all people. Well, womp womp, <laughs> these covenants get broken. They are broken, and it's, it's 
It's so frustrating. I, I would feel like for God, it would be so frustrating that we've made these promises to one another. We're stepping in this together, and then they're broken because other gods were worshiped, injustices take place, some really not great things happen within these covenants. But then, prophets tell of a time when there will come someone who is going to restore these covenants, who will come and bring a new covenant for us and for all of us. And so then enters Jesus. And maybe not like right away, right? Like it's a little later on down the timeline that Jesus comes into the picture. But Jesus bringing uh, this new covenant. We just spent a whole month talking about when love comes down, what that means for you and for me and for the world, for all of humanity, how this changes everything. And so when love comes down and builds a different kind of kingdom than people are expecting or are used to, when love comes down to make a wave, when love comes down to confront injustice and bring light to the darkness, when love comes down to make grace and truth real for all people, a new covenant is made. And through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, this covenant is remembered and celebrated. And friends, every time that we come together to this table and celebrate this holy meal with one another, we remember this covenant. We are reminded and re-energized in this covenant. And all of us are invited to be a part of this. This partnership helps us reach places that we might never otherwise reach. It helps us to create a kingdom that no one is expecting. It helps us to confront injustices in the world that are around us. It helps us to let people know that God loves them just as they are. And so Jesus comes to mend these covenants, to create a new one, and also really invite us into this work with God. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Romans chapter 12, And it may be one that is uh, familiar to you. It may be one that is brand new to you. I'm reading it from uh, the message translation. And it's more, so this is more of a paraphrasing rather than a word-to-word translation. And so I think it'll be a little new for all of us. And so I want to invite us to all hear these words as if for the very first time with this idea of a new covenant and new partnership in mind. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take every day, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for God. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-informed maturity in you. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. And so in much of the letter to the Romans, Paul is very concerned about the inner life of faith, very concerned about the individual's life of faith. But here in the, this passage that we just read, he's starting to get into what it means to live out their faith, right? To, to what it looks like to put that faith into action out in the world. 
And so in our translation that we read, it says, don't become well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. But in many translations, and what you might recognize uh, more easily, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so some scholars believe that Paul wrote this for the people in Rome because he knew that actions generate, were generated by attitude. And so he knew that they needed this in order for that transformation to happen, for that change to happen from the inside out. And he also knew that this kind of transformation was not a one-and-done kind of deal. He knew that this was going to be a choice that they would constantly have to make day after day after day. And so he wanted to make sure that he spoke to them and encouraged them through his letter. Another major emphasis is the critical role of discernment in our life. Right? We as Methodists believe that we have a brain for a reason. We've got to use it. We don't check it at the door and just come in and take what we hear and soak it up like a sponge, but we have our minds and we are to use them. And so this gift of discernment is so important. We read that the goal of transformation is that you will discern the will of God, that you will hear what God wants from you and then quickly respond to it. And so we must always discern and test every new situation that we find ourselves in because the gift of discernment enables us to separate the important from the trivial, the genuine from the bogus, the good from evil. And so to help us do this work of transformation and discernment in our everyday life, our sleeping, our going to work, our walking around life, John Wesley hoped that this covenant prayer would help us do this work. And so this covenant prayer that John Wesley adapted from the Puritan tradition, it helped inform his own faith and teaching and preaching, and it was very important to him. And like I said, he had hoped that this prayer would help those that had been baptized to also remember their own baptismal covenant that they had made. That they would remember that they made a promise. They made a covenant, a pact with one another and with God that they would do all that they can to reject the evil forces of the world. That they would, that they would uh, see where they have fallen short. That they would pick up that light that they've been given and share it with everyone they know and everyone they meet in all of the places and spaces of darkness and injustice and oppression in the world. They also promise that, that they are going to trust wholeheartedly in Jesus' grace and that they promise to live as faithful people who will work hand in hand, bringing about this kingdom of God from heaven to earth. And so the prayer as it is, um, is a little tough to read just because of the language. There's a lot of wilts and thous and things like that. So it is a little hard to read. And some of the phrasing that we're going to dig into a little bit here is a little bit tough. And so I want to read it for you all. And I believe it's going to be on the screen for you visual people like myself. And so here it is. I am no longer my own but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. 
And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine, so be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. And so some of you now be, may be sitting there scratching your head going, um, what? <laughs> what did that all just say? Hmm? And some of you cradle Methodists may have heard this so many times that you could recite it without even looking up at the screen. But either way, um, this is the covenant prayer that John Wesley hoped that all Methodists would pray together. And as I was preparing for my sermon, uh, Pastor Scott sent me this blog written by a United Methodist pastor who uh, serves up in Seattle, Reverend Jeremy Smith, where he kind of unpacks some of this language and this prayer because he says in his blog that a lot of this language isn't really helpful to us in this post-Christian context that we live in. And now, don't hear me, like, let me unpack this a little bit because I can't say that this prayer is completely useless to us or else we would all get up and leave and that's a little too early. We've still got communion to do. Like, we can't, can't go quite yet. But Reverend Smith unpacks all of this and he says, you know what, overall at the face value of this prayer, when you look at it from a surface level, it really looks at like this prayer is smacking a bit of everything happens at God's will and we just, we just take it on. We just accept it for what it is, right? And when you look at it, it kind of is like that. I mean, it says, put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee. Let me be laid aside for thee, right? But when you look at it on a deeper level, when you look at it at a deeper level, there's so much more to it. Because looking at it like that, it seems like we are at the whim of God's commands and decisions, just kind of willy-nilly, God's throwing out these decisions, like it doesn't really matter, right? And that's kind of what it looks like. And friends, there's a lot of theology out there that speaks to this kind of relationship with God, that God is this God who's just going to do what God feels like and is going to throw out these commands, throw out, throw out these orders, but that's not the type of relationship that I want with God. That's not the type of relationship that I think we have with God. I think our relationship that we have with God is that new covenant. That love coming down covenant is the type of relationship that we have. And so don't hear me hating on my boy John Wesley or this prayer. It is really wonderful, really great, but here enters in that discernment, right? That discernment that I talked about that is so important for us to have. And so we can discern and look at this prayer. We can see how we can maybe reword it, rework it to help us, to, to help us live our everyday life and the life that we live in right now. Because under the surface, this covenant prayer is about a life intertwined with justice and action and love and devotion. And it tells us that being a follower of Christ is more than just a system of beliefs. It is more than that. It is, it is so much more. It is this life modeling after Jesus, this self-emptying, self-giving, this fully filling yourself with love and grace. And so Reverend Smith offers up a paraphrasing, much like the message um, translation that we read of our scripture of this prayer. And again, this will be on the screen, and this will be the prayer that we pray together that Pastor Kathy will lead us in in just a moment. It says, I am not my own self-made, self-reliant human being. In truth, O God, I am yours. Make me into what you will, 
Make me a neighbor with those whom you will. Guide me on the easy path for you. Guide me on the rocky road for you. Whether I am to step up for you or step aside for you. Whether I am to be lifted high for you or brought low for you. Whether I become full or empty with all things or with nothing. I give all that I have and all that I am for you. So be it. And may I always remember that you, O God, and I belong to each other. And so this, while paraphrasing, keeping that same deep down message, it helps us to see God more as a partner. See God as guiding us and leading us, walking alongside us in the rocky moments of life and in the good moments of life. We see God not as someone who is just tossing out commands and decisions however God sees fit, but as someone who cares for us and is with us, Emmanuel. And so when we pray this prayer on our own and then we live it out, there's something magical that happens. It brings us together with other people. It helps us to find community with others who are wanting to live a life, a life of self-giving, truth-seeking, justice-seeking, love-in-action kind of life. And so that video that we saw just a few moments ago were some pictures that were given to me by folks here at AUMC. I took to Facebook and I asked for pictures of people living out this call, living out the work that we have been given. And these were just some of the ones that I received. And so we saw pictures of people at protests where people gathered together to say and to show that black lives matter and that we have work to do so that way we can see truth and justice and mercy and love for all people. We saw pictures of our Journey Towards Racial Justice group as they went to the Latin American Culture Center for a play together where they were able to learn and gather some knowledge and then grow together as a group to then be able to go share that with others. We saw a few pictures of our students serving in our community over at Tom and Holly's house one summer, but also with Bonton Farms in Owenwood. There is a picture of our pumpkins that turn our yard orange every single October and helps support the, the, and this helps support the Navajo farmers who tend to these pumpkins, but also helps the missions here at AUMC and the missions that happen through this place. There were a couple of pictures from Together We Dine events where some of our adults and some of our students have gone with other people from other walks of life, other backgrounds, places and spaces that we have no idea anything about. But they came together for these courageous conversations about race relations. And then it ended with the picture of our yard sign that says, we belong to each other. We belong to each other. And this video was just the surface scratching the surface of this incredible work that we have been called to and that we are already participating in. When we pray this prayer together, this covenant prayer, we're asking for God to guide us and to lead us and, and take us to places and spaces that we never imagined for ourselves. And when we open ourselves up for this kind of change and growth and understanding, we're able to see the truth that God is with us in this work and that we have each other too that we are not alone. And it's not always going to be easy and comfortable, my friends, and God never said that it was going to be, but this work is ours. The work to bring light to dark places of injustice and oppression, to stand up or step aside, to speak loud enough so that those who may be wondering if they are loved 
that they will hear that they are loved just as they are. And because this work won't always be easy, but it is important, it is so important for us to choose this every single day, to make that conscious decision that says, I'm going to pick up this work hand in hand with my friends, hand in hand with God, and we are going to do this work together. And so you remember how I said today was going to be a day where we would choose renewal rather than a resolution? That's the kind of mindset that I hope that we will leave here this morning with and move into this year of 2023 together with. A mindset of not having to commit or pick up this decision and try to hold on to it through the end of January, but picking this up, being renewed, being renewed in our relationship with God, being renewed in our relationship with one another, and to remember that we are not alone friends that we will do our very best every single day making this decision that this is something that we want to do together, knowing that some days it will be very easy and some days it will feel almost impossible. But friends, I hope that you remember that we are not alone, that Emmanuel, God, is with us. Love came down to break barriers to pull down walls, to shine light in dark places, to take us to spaces and places and meet people that we never even imagined was possible. And so friends, I hope that you will be encouraged by this community that you are a part of. You will be encouraged by this meal that we are about to share in together, that you will be re-energized, that you will move into 2023, the same you. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm moving into 2023 just as me but re-energized, refocused, and renewed in this covenant. May it ever be so. Amen.